Hello, everyone, and happy Sunday. I am Hannah Syriac, and welcome to Fair Voice. Fair Voice is affiliated with Fair Mormon, but my opinions do not necessarily represent the opinions of Fair Mormon, the organization, or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I hope y'all are doing fantastic. I hope you had a chance to watch the Book of Moses conference that just went down. We live-streamed it from Fair Mormon Facebook page. It's also live-streamed from the interpreter face uh, interpreter foundation facebook page you can go watch it now i believe um don't quote me on that i think you can but in other news as well we have the first segment of the q a today and that'll be at the end we're, we're doing that at the end for a very salient reason the question of the day was a bit of a softer question you can ask me whatever you would like you can ask me about my own personal beliefs with respect to to religion and I will give lots of sources for them. I won't I won't do like a I don't know. I'll, I'll give my opinion obviously because a lot of this is my opinion, but I will also point out what is necessarily not my opinion. And I think that that's an important thing. Maybe we should do a podcast episode on that. Um the difference between opinion and doctrine. <laughs> Maybe we might. Moving on. Um, today we're talking about the Book of Mormon again, and I'm very excited to keep talking about the Book of Mormon. I wanted to open this time by reminding you about General Conference. So General Conference is coming up in the next few days, and I don't know about you, but I am incredibly excited to see what our prophets and apostles and general church leaders have in store for us. And I know that these leaders have been praying and fasting and working to make sure that the message that they deliver is highly personalized and individual to you. Some advice that I got via Twitter, actually, for having a better experience with General Conference, because this is something that I know we're all really interested in improving. Some of the suggestions that people told me was make sure that you shower and change out of your pajamas first. For me, I am uh, wear church clothes during General Conference kind of person but the reason for that is I feel like when I'm actually dressed in real clothes and not not even just like in jeans or something like that I feel like I am better able to pay attention and um, I think I think I can show my respect for the prophets and apostles and and for God primarily but also the prophets and apostles by dressing differently another (laughs) suggestion that people gave is Take notes of impressions and promptings and don't just transcribe what's being said. And then after conference, identify themes in your notes. That's what God wants you to work on for the next six months. I loved this one. So last general conference, I had the same impression during literally every single talk. And it was amazing because that was, for me, a very clear indication that that's what God wanted me to work on was this one impression. And I'll just be honest with you for what it is. Um... This one impression that I received, it started off very, very early, was having faith in spiritual promptings that seem antithetical to my present reality. That was what God wanted me to work on. And I've had a lot of marvelous experiences working on that, and I've gained a lot of really good faith and knowledge and hope and charity from these experiences. So that's a suggestion that I I think is actually really beautiful. Um, And then the other suggestions that I received were write down 10 it's five to ten questions or concerns that you have beforehand and then listen for the answers i love that and then someone said i like to go into every talk asking what lack i yet inevitably i find something in each address that i get to work on and i love this because it's that i get to work on 
um, that's such a positive attitude for what we're doing, right? We're, we're excited to be able to change. We're excited to be able to use Christ's atonement. Of course, we experience godly sorrow when we sin, but we're excited to be able to progress, and I love that. Um, and then another, another tip was write down a commitment at the end of each talk and work on those commitments over the following six months. I really like this one, too. I do something kind of similar. I write down a commitment at the end of each session. Um, and one of my commitments two years ago was to read from all of the standard works every single day. Um, I'm typically a Book of Mormon plus one other standard work reader. That was my MO up until that point. But by reading from each of the standard works every single day, I felt like I was able to understand a bit better why God has given us all these works in tandem. I was under, I was able to see connections more clearly that were not just footnote connections. I'd read something in the Doctrine and Covenants, and then I would go to the New Testament and the Book of Mormon and the Hebrew Bible, or the Old Testament, whatever you want to call it, and I would say, hey, I see that this is thematically really similar, and here are some ideas that I can pull because it's thematically similar. Super great suggestions. So anyways, Send me your general conference suggestions. I will definitely do some episodes on general conference. I'm so excited. I'll do like a general conference debrief or something like that. And we'll just talk about how much we love the talks and it should be a really good time. So let's jump into today's episode. So we're continuing our discussion on the Book of Mormon, which should be incredibly exciting. And I want to talk a bit about historicity of the Book of Mormon and why it's important. So we've already started off by talking about some really great evidences for the Book of Mormon. If you did not listen to last week's episode that was with Jasmine and Neil Rapley, I highly suggest that you listen to it. We talked about a great a great many things. But let's talk about the imperative for Book of Mormon historicity. I think that this is a very interesting topic. And I want to open up by reading parts of the the Restoration Proclamation. So for those of you who don't know, the Restoration Proclamation is a proclamation that President Nelson delivered on April 5th, 2020 as a part of his message at the general conference that we had in April. Um, There are some interesting lines in here that I think we should read. So I'm just going to read the paragraph that feels particularly salient to our discussion today. We further witness that Joseph Smith was given the gift and power of God to translate an ancient record, the Book of Mormon, another testament of Christ. Pages of the sacred text include an account of the personal ministry of Jesus Christ among people in the Western Hemisphere soon after his resurrection. It teaches of life's purpose and explains the doctrine of Christ, which is central to that purpose. As a companion scripture to the Bible, the Book of Mormon testifies that all human beings are sons and daughters of a loving Father in heaven, that he has a divine plan for our lives, and that his Son, Jesus Christ, speaks today as well as in days of old. So, there are some interesting things to unpack there, but one thing that I really have emphasized in my study is the power of God to translate an ancient record. I don't find it a mistake that they included that it's an ancient record. I I don't think that that's a mistake. I think that that's an important detail to emphasize because Book of Mormon historicity has come under contestation, but there's a, there's a great many reasons why we need to take the Book of Mormon as an ancient document. And I'm just going to read a Hugh Nibley quote to kind of set the scene for what we're going to talk about today. Um, the Book of Mormon must be read as an ancient, not as a modern book. Its mission, as described by the book itself, depends in great measure for its efficacy 
on its genuine antiquity. This is what Hugh Nibley said. Let's take a trip to the book, the title page of the Book of Mormon. So in the title page of the Book of Mormon, we read an account, the Book of Mormon, an account written by the hand of Mormon upon the plates taken, uh, on the pl- upon the plates taken from the plates of Nephi. And then a little bit further down, okay, written to the Lamanites who are remnant of the people of the house of Israel, and also to the Jew and to the Gentile, written by way of commandment and also by spirit of prophecy and of revelation, written and sealed up and hid up unto the Lord that they might not be destroyed, to come forth by the gift and power of God unto the interpretation thereof, sealed by the hand of Moroni and hid unto the Lord, to come forth in due time by the way of the Gentile, the interpretation thereof, by the gift of God. An abridgment taken from the book of Ether also, which is a record of the people of Jared, who were scattered at the time the Lord confounded the language of the people, when they were building a tower to get to heaven, which is to show unto the remnant of the house of Israel what great things the Lord hath done for their fathers, and that they may know, that they may know the covenants of the Lord, that they are not cast off forever, and also to the convincing of the Jew and the Gentile that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God, manifesting himself unto all nations. And now if there are faults, they are the mistakes of men. Wherefore, condemn not the things of God, that ye may be found spotless at the judgment seat of Christ." This is so fascinating, and here's why. So, the title page of the Book of Mormon clearly sets this up as an ancient record. It sets it up as an ancient record by telling us whose hand it was written in, who it was written to, who it is written about, why it was hidden, um, the fact that it was hidden as well. And we can see clearly that in this title page of the Book of Mormon that the Book of Mormon is inviting us to understand it in this context, but this has not been the only view of the Book of Mormon. There has been a view of the Book of Mormon as inspired fiction, and what people typically mean by that is they mean that they don't think that there was gold plates, or some perhaps think that there was gold plates, but that Joseph Smith was inspired by God to write a fictional story, i.e. the Book of Mormon, in order to convince people that Jesus is a Christ. So they would say that well, the stories in the Book of Mormon did not actually happen, that there are immense principles that can be learned from the book and that the book is still good because of that. Most members of the Church of Jesus Christ to Latter-day Saints do believe that the Book of Mormon is historical. I'm not saying that all do, but most do. And today I'm going to share a few tidbits of information about why it's important for us to think of the Book of Mormon as historical. And I want to open up by talking about my own experience with this. I read a blog post by Neil Rapley, and don't worry, I will also talk about Stephen Smoot's article about <laughs> the imperative for Book of Mormon historicity. So don't worry, we will get there. I know that's the one that a lot of you know, but Neil made a blog post on Fair Mormon in 2015, I believe it was May 2015, where he talked about does the Book of Mormon historicity matter? And the qu- question that he posed was, who does it matter to? And I think that that's a really important question. And I like what he did there where he talked about Emma Smith. He talked about Martin Harris, Joseph Smith, and other people who were involved in the production of the Book of Mormon who lost a lot because of the Book of Mormon. I can't hardly imagine how hard it must have been for Emma to have her husband be so consumed with this project 
and have it not be real. Have it be inspired fiction. So for me, the fact that a lot of the witnesses, a lot of the witnesses in the Book of Mormon, um, if we read the, the accounts of the three witnesses and the accounts of the eight witnesses, are people for whom the Book of the Book of Mormon historicity must have meant a lot. And an important point, and don't worry, we're going to have an entire episode on the witnesses, so I'm not going to get too much into them, because I think that's a really fun thing to do. Our next episode is going to be on the witnesses. Um, a, a very important thing to note about the witnesses is that they never denied it. And it's clear that the Book of Mormon history would have mattered to the witnesses because they had a stake in it. But I really liked that blog post because I think it, it's a good way of articulating it. The Book of Mormon historicity matters to more people than just us. And I think a lot of the time when we are struggling with our faith, we focus so much on ourselves. And, and that's fairly natural is that we focus on what we're going through, what we need to do better, what we believe, what we do not believe, and we forget that there are people behind this text. We forget that Joseph Smith was a man who became a prophet and gave his entire life to this text. We forget that people gave up all of their money to try to produce this text. We forget that Emma Smith forwent a normal life so that Joseph can translate this text and so that she could expound scriptures. We forget that going even further back, we forget that there are ancient people who we might be putting at stake with their questions. We forget that. I think so often we don't remember that the text that we are struggling to understand its historical nature is a text of real people. And if you are questioning the historicity of the Book of Mormon, of course, you're, you're going to view it not as that. You're going to say, perhaps it's not real people, perhaps it is. But the implication is, what if it is? How, how do we discount someone's own witness and testimony? And I think that that's why we have these testimonies, we have these witnesses, the three and eight witnesses, is because we needed some external measure to show us that the Book of Mormon was indeed historical. And if you think about within the Gospel of John, this is a very this is a very common concept. You have the figure who we affectionately call Doubting Thomas. So Doubting Thomas was one of Jesus' followers who did not necessarily believe the claims of the resurrection until he felt Jesus' hands, right? And Jesus says, blessed are those who believe without seeing. That's that famous line. And I've thought a lot about this with respect to the Book of Mormon, is there's this idea that we're given witnesses in the same way that we were given witnesses of Jesus Christ's resurrection. I did not see Jesus Christ resurrected. I have not seen Jesus Christ. And I'm sure most of you have also not seen Jesus Christ. But I have this record. I have this New Testament that testifies to me that he did live, that he was born, that he lived, that he had this ministry, that he was crucified, and that he was resurrected. And parts of that book are disputed. There are plenty of parts where people don't think it's historical, let me tell you. There are plenty of parts where people will try to say that it's not true. Same with the Book of Mormon. There are plenty of parts in the Book of Mormon where people will try to say, this book is not historical, this book is not an ancient record. But at the end of the day, it testifies of Jesus Christ, and at the end of the day, my belief in historicity of any ancient text is based on evidence, 
but also a witness from the Spirit. Because as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have an expanded epistemology. We include spiritual knowledge as a way to understand and discern texts. And this is adverse to the ways of the world. I I understand that. A lot of people will say, why can't you be objective? Why aren't you using evidence? The thing is, we are using evidence. The evidence that we are using, people dispute. But I think the testimonies of the three and eight witnesses act as really key evidences. And I I want to bring that up because it's the same sort of parallel where Jesus asks us to believe in his resurrection based on written accounts from people that we can't talk to. He asks us to believe based on the New Testament in the same way that we are asked to believe in the historicity of the Book of Mormon based on the accounts of the witnesses. And I really like that idea a lot um, because I think it just shows us that faith is being able to see some evidences because we do have evidences for the Book of Mormon, clearly. We talked about them last time, too. But the witnesses are also evidences. Joseph Smith also stands as an evidence. To see some evidences for the Book of Mormon, to see some evidences for anything, this is faith. To see these evidence and then pray after you study it out and to decide if it's true in that way. So what we really have to do is we have to see all available evidences and then decide. But that decision is based on faith. And let me tell you, whether or not you are a religious person, everyone has faith in some things. Everyone has beliefs that are not completely based in completely based in fact because at the end of the day a lot of what we do as human beings is interpret facts we interpret truth claims that we see we interpret truth presuppositions and sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong and a lot of people will try to say that consensus is the best way to determine these things but let me tell you right now consensus is not the best way to determine these things consensus brought us that the earth was flat consensus brought us that so many different things that are so antithetical to science as we know it now. And sci- and that's even a loaded term, right? I don't even know if we can particularly define science in a traditional sense because so often people will talk about science as in forms of exclusively consensus. But So science means knowledge, right? So that's what science means is knowledge. But because we know that there are other ways to determine truth beyond merely critical thinking because we have an expanded way of determining truth we have to keep that in mind when we look at the book of mormon i think that a testimony of the book of mormon relies both on evidences but also on a spiritual witness and i would say that the lord shows us clearly through joseph smith history through doctrine and covenants and through the book of mormon itself as we talked about when we read the title page that the Book of Mormon is to be considered an ancient document. And for me, this is one of the ways that I view historicity as important. This is one of the reasons, rather, why I view historicity as, as important. Because if I were to deny the historicity of the Book of Mormon, I would have to deny truth claims in three out of the, out of the standard works. And for me, that's kind of a deal breaker. Obviously, my testimony of Book of Mormon historicity rests upon more than just seeing this as a deal breaker, but that's an implication of not seeing the Book of Mormon as historical. Um, but, but some choose to see it differently. So I'm turning now to uh, of some different arguments about this, um, and I'll cite my sources, don't worry. So Hutchinson is the person who is responsible for 
the modern inspired fiction of the Book of Mormon. We know that there are other people who did this as well, but he's the big dude for this. And what he says about it is essentially that there is a human author, Joseph Smith, okay? And Joseph Smith was inspired by God to write the Book of Mormon, but he's not describing ancient events. He's merely penning together a story that God told him to write that has solid principles that will bring people closer to Christ, but what he is saying is not inherently true. And as you might remember, this contradicts what Joseph Smith and the Witnesses say because they clearly understand it as a historical text. So Stephen Smoot in the imperative for the historicity of the book of, sorry, the imperative for Book of Mormon historicity, there we go, argues that one of the main theological and logical problems with declaring Book of Mormon as a historical or as inspired fiction is that essentially what it does is it destroys the historical vitality of the of the document and it also renders it so that Joseph Smith would have had to lie about that which calls into question his role as a prophet. We know that when a prophet speaks as a prophet that they are speaking on behalf of God. That is very clear to us. There are different instances where a prophet does not speak as a prophet um, and in those instances, we acknowledge that. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> We're not always clear on what those instances are. And there's a great, I think it's a BYU speech given by Maxwell. I think it's Maxwell, um, who says, sorry, I just thought of this and I didn't write it down, but I think it's Maxwell, um, who says essentially that the only way to determine whether or not a prophet is speaking as a prophet is to become a prophet yourself. So there's that. But beyond that, it's very difficult to claim that the Book of Mormon is not historical because you would have to say that what Joseph Smith said about it and what others said about it is inherently false. They either completely misunderstood or they completely misled people. And that for me is problematic with regards to Joseph Smith as a prophet. So I think that this calls into question the logical consistency of this theory. If you see the Book of Mormon as ahistorical or ahistorical, I think it makes it a lot more difficult to believe that Joseph Smith is a prophet and renders a lot of other beliefs that stem from Joseph Smith being a prophet as being called into question. So if Joseph Smith is not, if Joseph Smith lied about the Book of Mormon, if he did that, then he also could have lied about the Book of So basically what happens is that if you question this one thing, you would then have to question everything. And I don't think that that presents itself as a logical consistency because you're then saying that Joseph Smith's prophetic authority was tempered by so many factors that led him to be kind of a prophet, but not really a prophet. And what I mean by that is we know that prophets are called to deliver truth from God, to deliver truth, truthfulness of historical events. We see this through the Old Testament and the New Testament, what these prophets do as they are writing is, yes, they editorialize sometimes. Like I'm not going to necessarily claim that every single thing in the Hebrew Bible and in the Greek New Testament is 100% literal. I'm not going to claim that. But what I will claim is that the large events that are described are mostly literal. Um, and I think that that's, that becomes a problem with Joseph Smith's prophetic authority because then we see him as inherently different than other prophets, which in some ways he is, but those ways are not 
in, in terms of him contradicting other prophets, but in terms of him adding on to other prophets. But we would have to see the work that Joseph Smith did as being dubious, which for me is quite problematic. And of course, this is one view of Book of Mormon history. I'm not necessarily asserting that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints requires that you believe in Book of Mormon historicity. I am, however, asserting that I do think that it is an easier position to take long term. And I also think beyond the fact that it is easier, it is more correct. Um, and that's really, that's really at the heart of it, is that it is more correct and more reflective of Joseph Smith as a prophet, more correct and more reflective of the text itself. And again, for gaining a testimony of the Book of Mormon historicity, believe on the accounts of the witnesses, believe on the account itself, believe on the words that are written there that testify that these things actually did happen. It's not necessarily about where we find the barley. It's not about where we find horses or anything like that. That's not the central problem. The central problem is, did Joseph Smith have inspiration from God to translate an ancient record that he found? Did God lead him to that ancient record? How do we know that God led him to that ancient record? The testimonies of the witnesses and the testimony of Joseph Smith himself. Yes, we can have evidence that corroborates these things, but at the end of the day, the evidence that will convince you of things the most is the same evidence evidence that convinces you of anything, which is your spiritual confirmation of it, which I assert is very different than your feelings. So I invite you today to take some time and to study the Book of Mormon. Not just read it. Don't just read the words in its pages, but really study it. Study its, study its consistencies. Study the literary techniques that it uses. Study how it composes itself. Listen to the voices that you hear in different books. Listen to the narratives that you hear in different books. And ask yourself, did Joseph Smith write this? And I, I think the answer that you'll come to is this is far too sophisticated, far too different for one person to have written it, and far too ancient for it to be a modern historical record. So, I would just like to say that there is a lot out there about Book of Mormon historicity. And some may accuse me of this being a cop-out, but for me, I don't think it's a cop-out. I do not think that asserting that looking at available evidence and having to make a decision based on that evidence is a cop-out. That, to me, is how you determine truth, is looking at the available evidence that exists and having some sort of external way of evaluating that. For me, the external ways of evaluating are critical thinking and a witness from the Spirit, from the Holy Spirit. And that comes because of an inherent belief in the Godhead that we all have presuppositions. That is mine, and I will be very transparent about that. And I work to dismantle that when I do things that are necessary for me to dismantle that. But at the end of the day, I have a belief in God for several different reasons that some are logical, some are illogical. That's the same with all of our beliefs though. Some people are just more honest about it than others in my, in my opinion. But the point of this is that if you want to have a testimony of the Book of Mormon, you have to read it, take it on its own terms, and evaluate it from there. You should not take it as a book that could be wrong or a book that could be ahistorical. 
And I would say that for anything, right? To evaluate something, you have to evaluate it in the context that it demands it be evaluated in. So that was today's episode on that section. And I would like to just cite one talk today. I said I'm going to do a talk a day um, until we get to general conference. And the talk that I picked today is Safety for the Soul by Elder Holland. I thought it thematically fit with what we were saying. And I just want to read one section of it. I testify that one cannot come to full faith in this latter-day work and thereby find the fullest measure of peace and comfort in these our times until he or she embraces the divinity of the Book of Mormon and the Lord Jesus Christ of whom it testifies. If anyone is foolish enough or misled enough to reject 531 pages of a heretofore unknown a heretofore unknown text teeming with literary and Semitic complexity without honestly attempting to account for the origin of these pages, especially without accounting for their powerful witness of Jesus Christ and the profound spiritual impact that the witness has had on what is now tens of millions of readers. If that is the case, then such a person, elect or otherwise, has been deceived, and if he or she leaves the church, it must be done by crawling over or under or around the Book of Mormon to make that exit. In that sense, the book is what Christ himself was said to be, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, a barrier in the path of one who wishes not to believe in this work. Witnesses, even witnesses who were for a time hostile to Joseph, testified to their death that they had seen an angel and had handled the plates. They had been shown unto us by the power of God and not of man. They declared, wherefore, we know of a surety that the work is true. Now, I did not sail with the brother of Jared in crossing an ocean settling in the new world. I did not hear King Benjamin speaking his angelically delivered sermon. I did not proselyte with Alma and Amulek, nor witness the fiery death of innocent believers. I was not among the Nephite crowd who touched the wounds of the resurrected Lord, nor did I weep with Mormon and Moroni over the destruction of an entire civilization. But my testimony of this record and the peace it brings to the human heart is as binding and unequivocal as was theirs. Like them, I give my name unto the world, to witness unto the world that I have seen, and like them, I lie not, God bearing witness of it. I ask that my testimony of the Book of Mormon and all that it implies, given today under my own oath and office, be recorded by men on earth and angels in heaven. I hope I have a few years left in my last days, but whether I do or not, I want to make it absolutely clear when I stand before the judgment bar of God that I declare to the world in the most straightforward language I can summon that the Book of Mormon is true, that it came forth in the way that Joseph said it came forth and was given to bring happiness and hope to the faithful in the travail of the latter days. My witness echoes that of Nephi, who wrote part of the book in his last days. Hearken unto these words and believe in Christ. And if ye believe not in these words, believe in Christ. And if ye believe in Christ, ye will believe in these words, for these are the words of Christ. And that they teach all men that they should do good. And if they are not the words of Christ, judge ye, for Christ will show unto you with power and great glory that they are his words at the last day. Brothers and sisters, God provides safety for the soul, and with the Book of Mormon, he has done that again in our time. End quote. The reason I really like this is because Elder Holland emphasizes something that's really important. We have not seen these events, we have not been there, but we know that these are the words of Christ because of the way that they make us feel and because of the way that they can change us. One of the greatest evidences for the Book of Mormon in my own life has been myself. And what I mean by that is, 
I have experienced real change after reading the Book of Mormon in a way that no other book has given me. And before some people will say that's because you were expecting that change and it's an evidence of your confirmation bias, I was not expecting that change. I did not want to change. I did not want to be changed by the Book of Mormon because I knew that if I was changed by the Book of Mormon, my entire life would have to change. I knew that I could not be the person I was if the Book of Mormon is true. I knew that I could not live the life I wanted to live at that time if the Book of Mormon was true. I knew that if the Book of Mormon was true, everything that I was would have to change because of Jesus Christ. And for me, the greatest evidence of the Book of Mormon is when I opened up that book with the greatest amount of skepticism that I could muster. When I had read a lot of sources that said that the Book of Mormon wasn't true, when I had already read the CES letter, when I had already read various scholarly accounts discounting the historicity of the Book of Mormon on particular grounds, when I had already read that and had wanted with everything that I had for the Book of Mormon not to be true, so I could continue my life, so I could go on, so I could live happily in the way that I thought was happiness, when all of that confronted me. And then I read that book. And I read it with no desire to know of its truthfulness, with no desire for it to be true. But I still felt changed in a way that no other book has made me feel changed. Not in the way that I felt changed when I read The Great Gatsby. Or not in the way that I felt changed when I read The Iliad. Or when I read The Odyssey. Or when I read any book of great literature. When I read the Book of Mormon and I felt that I could never be the same. And that I could never live the same life that I had before. And that this was God calling me to a higher and holier station. And that's when I gained my spiritual witness of the Book of Mormon. That's when I knew that this Book of Mormon was true. That's when I knew it. And at that moment, I told God that I would never be the same. Because he had shown me that he was real through the Book of Mormon. He had shown me that the Book of Mormon was true. And my spiritual experience with the Book of Mormon was not an academic one, which is really antithetical to most of my life. I've had a lot of really great academic experiences that have led me to truth in a whole variety of different spheres. But my experience with the Book of Mormon was not academic. And many people will discount my witness because of that. They will discount my witness because I am basing it, quote unquote, on a feeling. But here's the thing. I'm not basing it merely on a feeling. I'm basing it on something that I know exists outside of myself that can speak truth to my soul, that is the Holy Spirit. And for me, one of the greatest tasks that we have in these latter days is to convince other people that the Holy Spirit is a valid witness of truth, which I completely believe that it is. So before we get into our question of the day, I want to add my testimony of the Book of Mormon. I know that the Book of Mormon is an ancient historical record that was given to Joseph Smith that he had to go out and find by the power of the Lord. I know that he translated it, and I know that the events in it really did happen. I wasn't there, but I believe that they happened. And I know that that book contains the words of Christ. I know that that book was dictated to authors in ancient times that were 
struggling to figure out who God was and who God was to them, and that the Book of Mormon was written for our day to explain these things to us. I'm grateful for their sacrifice, and I'm grateful for the ancient people that lived in the Book of Mormon, and I know that their sacrifice is one that we should recognize more often. I think that the fact that we have the words of God given to us is the most marvelous gift we could have. What could be greater, save it be the atonement of Christ, than it would be the words of God? I am so grateful for them, and I believe that the Book of Mormon is true. I know that it is true, and like Elder Holland, I like my testimony recorded in heaven, because I believe so strongly that the words of Christ and the presence of Christ is manifest in that book, and that book will change you today if you read it. I say this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So, we're transitioning to the next section, which is our Q&A. And I'm just going to plug it one more time. So, our Q&A is this idea, okay, where you send me a question and I answer it. And we have a fun time with that. You can send me any questions. You can send me fun questions. You can send me academic questions. You can send me spiritual questions. You can send me anything. Um, we're not going to talk about politics, just to let you know. So this show is apolitical. We do not have a political stance. So please don't send me questions about politics. I did get a couple questions about politics. Um, I, I'm just not going to answer them. Um, but yes, so nothing about politics. Um, just keep that in mind. But anything that is related to the restored gospel of Jesus Christ and anything that is related to academic research on those subjects or even just like fun questions, we can totally do that and it'll be a good time. So the question that someone gave me today was kind of similar to what we've been talking about, which is why I wanted to answer it today. I got a couple other questions, but I think this one's good. Um, so the question today for me was, what verse in the Book of Mormon is my favorite? So I have a story for that one. So I was in a really rough place a few years ago as I was trying to decide whether or not the Book of Mormon was true, as I was trying to decide whether or not the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was true. I was really struggling with that. I had a lot of witnesses that told me otherwise. I felt like God had led me to the Catholic Church, but I felt very, very distraught about it. Um, I don't know how to explain that. But there was this, there was a point in my life where I was trying to decide, basically. So, I was reading in the Book of Mormon one day, and I put it down, and I kind of forgot about it. And then a few weeks later, I had a really hard day, record hard day. Um, I have not had a day that hard since. And I came home, and I was crying a lot, and I didn't know what to do. I just couldn't stop crying, and I had the strongest impression. Just read the Book of Mormon, and I was like, I don't really want to, but that's fine. We'll, we'll see what happens. And I opened up to the book of Moroni, and I'm pulling up the verse right now, and this was the first verse that I read, is Moroni 7, verse 41. And what is it that ye shall hope for? Behold, I say unto you that ye shall have hope through the atonement of Christ and the power of his resurrection to be raised unto life eternal, and this because of your faith in him according to the promise. I read that and every negative emotion that I had experienced, all of the tears, all of the sorrow, all of the sin, everything dissipated in an instant. Everything was gone. Everything, everything was gone. And I believe that everything left because of what President Nelson says 
about the atonement of Christ in the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon provides the fullest and most authoritative understanding of the atonement of Jesus Christ to be found anywhere. The truths of the Book of Mormon have the power to heal, comfort, restore, succor, strengthen, console, and cheer our souls. End quote. For me, that's exactly what the Book of Mormon did. The Book of Mormon completely changed me, and it wasn't merely a matter of me changing myself. It was a matter of me seeing in that verse my future. I saw two paths very clearly in this weird vision-like thing. Um, I saw two paths very clearly. I saw one path that led me to Jesus Christ, and I saw one path that did not. And I saw on the path that led me to Jesus Christ daily reading of the Book of Mormon. And that's when I knew that I had to change, and that's when I knew that I could change. And by reading this verse in the Book of Mormon, I felt like I changed more than at any point in my life. I felt like I made more progress through the course of 30 or so words than I had in throughout the course of 18 or so years. And for me, my testimony of the Book of Mormon rests upon my spiritual experiences with that book that I cannot deny the authenticity of, that are more important to me than some academic person's opinion, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. Because for me, truth is something that we know, truth is something that we learn, but truth is also something that we experience. I, I like the framing of Who is Truth by Ed Gant and Jeffrey Thane, because when we talk about truth, so often we talk about what is truth, what is true, and these are important conversations that we need to have. But for me, the question, who is truth, has always been answered by the Book of Mormon, and that answer is Jesus Christ. So that's my favorite verse in the Book of Mormon, and I appreciate the question. I love it so much. I still read it quite often, but yes. So Coming up next, as I mentioned, we are talking about Book of Mormon evidences, which should be an absolute party. And then after that, we're going to talk about general conference and some proclamations. Um, and then we'll have some stuff on the Bible. So lots of great stuff going on. Super excited to continue with y'all. Thank you so much for listening. I do really appreciate you listening. I think you all are awesome and wonderful. And I love all the support that you give me. Please let me know if you want me to cover anything in these episodes. Um, we've had a few episodes come out of request, so I will listen to your request most of the time, um, unless it's something that we just can't do, if that makes sense. But I am so excited to keep talking with y'all. I love you all so much. Please take some time to read from the Book of Mormon today, and I hope you have a fantastic Sunday.